The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Thomas Anarho. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Dom. And Father Joseph Sund. Hey, Father. Good to be with you. Before we get into our show, I want to tell everyone about another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy, and this is very timely. It's The Secrets of Star Wars. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a very big show coming up on Star- in Star Wars, the Ahsoka series. Uh, that, and if you're a Star Wars fan or even just a casual fan, you definitely want to subscribe to the Secrets of Star Wars so you can hear us talk all about it and find the deep layers and hidden meanings and the the Christian perspective on Star Wars and the things that come up. So, uh, but we're fans. We're super fans. So, you know, you want oh, yeah. <laughs> It's <laughs> totally still Star Wars nerdy. There's no, yeah. I've, I've had a couple of friends that have recommended it and or, or that I've recommended it to, and they were surprised that it was that even the Catholic po- portions of it, they enjoyed. So that was, yeah, <laughs> that was really good. That's a good that, compliment. That's a good, good one for it. So folks, you can find the secrets of Star Wars wherever podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Star Wars. So today we're talking about that our topic is kind of a offshoot or a sequel to one we did recently, but a month ago, I think, uh, where Th- Thomas and Jack Barazzini and I, we talked about curating your social media for better mental and emotional wellness uh, and spiritual wellness, I think is uh, what we said. And we're, we want to take it to another another level or to another step. It's, you know, this not levels, but another step. We want to talk about a digital detox and what is that and what would you guys think a, a digital detox would consist of father what would you think of when i say digital detox well first thing that comes to mind was um the ultimate which was this summer i did have an opportunity for retreat that i did in rural minnesota um at a place called Pachamantera, um in which it was oh, just yeah. staying in a cabin with no electricity, no water, um, and a a lamp and a um, hot water kettle. Right. And then they brought you bread each day. So that was the ultimate of digital <laughs> detox. And I think, I think sometimes when we say digital detox, we can be thinking extremes. And so right. um, I bring that up to say that is not what we're talking about. Right. Um, what, what we're or talking about is, yeah. or necessarily, it could be what we're talking about. Yeah. But, but more when we're in the world and when we're in our regular lives, is there ways that we can um, decrease the distraction and the effect that technology has in our own mm-hmm. lives? Um, and so I look of this of even um, the setting aside a couple hours in a day that is mm-hmm. a tech-free right. zone. Yeah. Right? Um, right. And so ideas like that is kind of how I read it. How about you, Thomas? What would you call a digital detox? I, I, I think it's, you, you kind of have to take it for face value where it's a detox and you have to think about the, the times in your life where uh, 
technology is being toxic. It's causing you to hunch over your phone a little more than you should be or to question uh, where a certain piece of technology is when you're performing an action. Like, I, you know, I, I know that, that um, <laughs> we've touched on the topic before, but bathroom time is not necessarily a time to engage with your phone <laughs> all the time. So, yeah. you know, you shouldn't be looking for it just to go to the restroom or any any other time where you're, you're thinking about, you know, I mean, if you're going to go on a trip, um, maybe instead of relying on Google Maps, map it beforehand, know where you're going to go, you know, learn the route before you get in your car and just break that reliance that you have on technology. And I really like the, like kind of thinking of it that way is like picking the areas in your life where you're over reliant on technology and just breaking that cycle. Right. And that's the detox part of that is it, it implies toxins or mm -hmm. toxicity and you know, so, social media certainly can be toxic, but even apart from the like the the, the social toxicity, there's also a sort of, a sort of um, way that technology. We you know all of us, we all you know all of us on the panel, and probably most of our audience, we love technology, but it can become mm -hmm. we can become over reliant on certain kinds of technology, and as you both of you mentioned, and you know so. The idea is to reduce the stress, anxiety, and reduce the tension spans that technology mm -hmm. can bring to us, and to 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 thus recover the things that may we may be neglecting. And it, it's like Father, you mentioned it's like going on retreat. There's a reason we go on spiritual retreats, or even sometimes people go on like business retreats or that sort of thing. But there's a reason we go on a retreat. It's to Step away from the everyday, which is not bad, but it gives you new perspective. And I think that's what a digital detox can be, is a way to step away from the technology that we are bathed in, in, in essence, mm -hmm. on a daily basis, to give us a new perspective on our lives, on the people around us, on our priorities, and and to, to, to take your nose up out of the phone or the computer or the tablet and, you know, see the world around us a little more than we had been. Uh, so uh, so that I think that's pretty a pretty good working definition that we could start from uh, to talk about it. And as I mentioned, you know, with the. Uh, the, the digital detox is like a retreat. And one of the time, times I know a lot of people will do a digital detox is during periods of penitence and abstinence, which for Catholics is often Advent and especially Lent. Uh, do, do you guys ever do sort of like a, some people like fast from Facebook or you know, do you ever do something like that for one of those penitential periods? I did a... Um flip phone lent one year which was <laughs> fantastic i did not realize how overbearing having a smartphone on but then i also realized um it did become an inconvenience for other people mm. but it was re a relief of that because it set realistic expectations mm, i yeah. think our smartphones set on realistic expectations of response times yeah mm -hmm. i text you i expect a response in 30 seconds right um i email you i expect you to be responding to email right away when in the past i would expect you to get to your computer to read an email um, <laughs> and so there's this 
um, that was really freeing. And so I think there's parts of this that can be um, spiritually freeing Mm -hmm. of that from my experience of um, that ultimate detox there for 44 (laughs) days or whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah, I've gone on one before, too, where um, I I, uh, eliminated my... um, I did one year I did no video gaming for the entirety of uh, of Lent and then another I, I mean I've, I've given up on social media so really like the only thing I look social media wise is reddit anymore so I don't even have a Facebook account so, <laughs> so, so that's, that's a, there's not really much for me to give up <laughs> there um, but but yeah I've, I've uh, you know sometimes I'll do like uh, only reading news from the newspaper uh, that's one I did one year as well um, and that's that's a good one where you you aren't getting that immediate update to everything and you'll hear things from people and you're like well, I don't know it hasn't shown up in the newspaper yet so I can't, I can't possibly know about it um, but it, and, it, and it does Father like you said it, it just changes your perspective and really puts things back into sort of a right working order uh, as opposed to this immediacy that we have about everything it, you can put things back at arm's length a little bit, like mm-hmm. everything, and whether it's the phone calls or the texts or the news or the people wanting your attention, it gives you space. And that's mm-hmm. one of the, I think, one of the benefits. And, you know, you can't, you know, unless unless you decide to become a digital hermit, <laughs> which most <laughs> of us do not have the luxury of being, it does give you perspective and it does give you and it makes you appreciate things all the more. You know, it would mm-hmm. be interesting to do a digital detox, say, before I get a new phone. Like I'm planning it. I'm planning getting an iPhone 15 when they come out this year. You know, maybe I should mm-hmm. do a digital detox before that comes out. Mm-hmm. And when I get it, it'll be cool and new. And, you know, I will appreciate it more. Um, I don't know. Or, you know, maybe not. I'm certainly not going to do a digital detox after right after I get it, because that would be too hard to do right. or at the very <laughs> least you'll you'll develop you'll develop better habits on and you won't carry over any bad habits from the the your previous use of the phone you'll kind of get rid of those before you start on the new one and that can be a good that can be a good thing that is a very yeah. good point yeah and before we talk about some of these things i want to first say it's not an all or nothing thing this is right. a, a digital detox is not you know i have to give up all technology you can make it as intense or as easy as long or as short as you want it, this is customized to your needs and, and the and maybe your discernment uh, perhaps some spiritual discernment involved in it so let's get into some of these things and like so the first thing i'd recommend is to set a clear goal and duration you know, don't make it open ended. You know, I'm going to give up my phone for a little while. Don't you like oh, what's a little while? Make a clear uh, goal of, you know, a, a week, a weekend, a day. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not going to look at my phone all day on Sunday. You know, every Sunday would be a thing. I mean, it, but but make it clear and be specific about what it's going to be. You know, why am I doing this? So to have that purpose in mind. Why do I want to do this? And then why are you doing it? Uh, For reducing stress, spending more time with people, um, improving your focus. So those two things, so know why you're doing it and and how long you're doing it. I think that's the first thing. Yeah, there's the acronym SMART when we do goals, right? right? (laughs) That they are um, specific that they're measurable, that they're achievable, that they're relevant, and that they're time-bound. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so to, when I make a goal that I set them, um, 
in that way that they have the highest chance of success and right. achievability. That's the and, key. And I, I like the idea that it's measurable too, not just that you've been off your technology, but that you've done something with that time, not just sat and twiddled your thumbs waiting to get back on it. <laughs> yes. Replace it with something. We'll talk more about that too, but yeah, replace it with something positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, uh, yeah. the neck, you know, did you want some, oh, well, some I, I, one more thing I wanted to say here yeah. too, is you, you can do this daily too. It's not, it's not something mm-hmm. that you have to have like, you know, once a week or anything like that. You can say daily, I'm going to get home from work. I'm going to set all of my technology down, turn my notifications off. And spend that time just kind of rejuvenating myself and getting ready for the evening. And then I can turn everything back on and, and engage with it as, as you want to. I know for me, that's really good because I would just keep working. Like I'll, I'll just yeah. I'll just keep following the same stuff I was following while I was at work. And the next thing I know, it's nine o'clock and I've been working all night on my phone in my living room, ignoring my kids right. <laughs> and, and, and never stopped. Right. And that yeah. is that Good. is such a toxic thing that enters mm-hmm. into our lives. I have to remind um our church employees, um, and I, I think this is especially if you work in service oriented work, mm-hmm. you feel this duty to be on twenty four seven. Um and the look of confusion slash relief when I tell employees like it should be outside of the norm that you're getting messages after 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. Go home, be with your families, live. You're not right. supposed to be working all the time. Right. Right. So uh, the next thing I want to mention is in father, you kind of uh, alluded to this is make sure you notify the people in your life that you're doing this, inform them of the limits. If you're going to be on a flip phone, tell them, you know, I'm going to be on a flip phone. You can't text me and expect me to reply like normal or, you know, or answer my emails when I'm on the go or that sort of thing. So let people know that I'm I'm going to I'm not available between the like, say, from the moment I get home from work till after dinner, I am unavailable and through any means i will have no notifications or you know this weekend don't try to text me family you know i won't be responding because sometimes you have those family groups like whatsapp or you know message Mm -hmm. threads and if you don't respond like mom or your siblings you know say you know something like why aren't you responding to this very important discussion we're having because I wasn't on my phone. You know, let people know. I didn't know it was happening. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, and they give them alternative ways of getting a hold of you in case of an emergency. That's the other the big thing. Yeah. I, I think once you do it and it becomes a habit, this step of notifying your contacts um, becomes unnecessary or maybe less often, not unnecessary. Right. Mm. But it that's becomes, if you're doing it on a schedule. It becomes this yeah. understanding that, and we all have these people in our lives that you have the understanding like, oh, I just text him and I haven't heard back from him in an entire day. Well, that's just so-and-so, right? right? And we mm-hmm. have those people in our lives that we know and we, and so it's okay to be one of those people. <laughs> it right. is. It's 100% okay. It's I not have, a problem. I, 
I have set a, some boundaries with like certain uh, groups, um, scouts, like scout leaders mm-hmm. in our troop. I don't respond to texts during the day when I'm working. I'm not because mm-hmm. those threads can go off on tangents and they can be 50 or 60. And my phone is blowing up with, you know, ding, 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 dings. Like, I, like that just drags my focus away from my work and so i've set expectations when you can contact me and you know when i will respond to things like that they can still contact me but i won't respond until later and i think that's the the i think as you're saying father the more you do this sort of thing the more people begin to reset their expectations of what they can expect of you and i think that's good um so another one that is a good good uh way to plan is to choose the right time. So, you know, we, as we were saying before, pick a time that works for you and your schedule and the people in your life. Be mindful of just, you know, you know if you're married and your spouse, don't just like, you know, Hey, by the way, uh, you're on the hook for any calls for the kids to have to get picked up or, you know, like that. I'm not going to be available. Don't, don't be that spouse. Like, <laughs> you know, work with, yeah. work with others in your life. You don't tell your boss, you can't ever call me. For a week or something. That's not going to work, yeah. probably. So choose the right time. A weekend, a vacation is great. I just got back from vacation a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't I didn't completely detox. I, I kind of avoided certain aspects of life. I didn't do I did uh, answered a few messages from folks. I, I love the work and the people I do this with and it doesn't feel like work. So responding to some messages doesn't bother me. But I what I could put off, I put off, you know, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So th- that would be a great thing to do. When you're on vacation, especially you're vacationing with people, right? Maybe it's with family. Maybe it's with mm-hmm. friends. You're with those people. Mm hmm. Free yourself from those other um, obligations. Don't be scrolling through Facebook. And this is with people. Don't worry about posting every moment on Facebook. (laughs) Enjoy the moment with the people. Um, Dom, you mentioned weekends. Um, Sunday is a day of rest. It is working on Sunday to be checking your work emails and doing work Mm -hmm. on your phone. Mm -hmm on Sunday. So not only to do it as to free yourself, but also, and I'm not saying this in a guilt ridding, um, finger wagging thing. We all do it, but in your own examination of conscience for confession and things to be able to examine that, do, do I work on Sundays on my device in -hmm. ways that I don't realize I'm doing? Um, and that, I'm allowing that to take over that day of rest. Right. And and another thing to consider here too is um, a, a digital downgrade as part of your detox. So if you're a person who uses a smartphone and you are prone to use your smartphone for surfing the, the web or for getting on to your uh, Facebook account and you're on vacation, get a camera, like take a digital camera with you so that you're not making the excuse of, oh, well, I need my phone because it has a camera on it, right? Leave your phone somewhere where it's not going to be immediately accessible to you and pull the camera out and take pictures that way, you know? Mm. So that there's not that immediate need to post the picture uh, to or to check your, your Facebook after you've posted that picture and then you get stuck doing that instead of actually being on vacation. Right. That's a good point. Yeah, use... Yeah, digital downgrade. You know, speaking of digital downgrade is... Um, well, we'll t- we'll get to that. I I, I don't want to jump ahead, but you know, there's 
there's other aspects of downgrading that that, that mm-hmm. would apply. Um, so another one is um, make a plan. What am I going to do instead of the things I would usually be doing on my devices, not just my phone, but other things like read a book, sit sit outside by a fire pit with your spouse, you know, um, go for a bike ride, walk, go for a walk. You know, go to the library. Have you been to the library lately? This most towns have a public library. Go check it out. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> Blow the dust off your guitar. Right. There's, <laughs> there's still books in the library too. Libraries aren't <laughs> just places that give you a overdrive subscription. So I hear. <laughs> right. Right. Uh. That so yeah, take up Legos, build models, garden. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of things. I mean, I'm being obvious. I mean, people know what what kind of hobbies. This is your chance to start doing those hobbies that you enjoy. I gave up Twitter as an active thing. I mean, I post things on Twitter for work, but as an active thing. Uh, early this year because I wasn't reading as much. If you look at my Goodreads, you'll see like the last two years, my Goodreads, I didn't hit my Goodreads. I've just hit my good. I've read more books this year than I did all of last year already, you know, and nice. So just by not going on Twitter, like I was wasting Mm -hmm. so much time. And, and so that's the thing. And, you know, if I were digital detoxing, I might read my Kindle because I just find that easier on my eyes to, to read on a Kindle. I know some people that's the opposite, but, you know, or so just Tom, Tom what you're saying is Twitter's your ex. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Twitter is now my ex. <laughs> well played. Well played. <laughs> yes, that was a really bad idea, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> uh, so. Um, and then, so, I mean, what else would anybody have anything else you want to say on creating a plan for what to do at that time? Dinner time. Yeah. 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 And and this is the zones too, right. That we'll get into a little bit, but, um, having those deliberate conversations with your spouse, with your kids, um, remember that your kids have like this two year period that they have limited social interaction. Um, it's right. probably good for us to be deliberate about putting down the devices and having some mm-hmm. social interaction and getting them back um, mm-hmm. and caught up on that reality of life they need to have. Sure. Sure. Yeah, definitely. That's um, I think dinner time is a great time to, to make a, digital free zone, you know, no phones. It's hard. It's hard. It can, it, it, my wife and I are both, you know, we like to share articles and, you know, bring up sto- news stories and stuff like that. And the phone is there and you want to pull it out and you want to show the vi- a funny video you saw earlier. And it, that all seems innocuous, but eventually you've shown the video and now you're scrolling again and it's, yeah. you're not paying that's, attention. That's the trick is getting off of that, <laughs> getting <laughs> out of that loop. <laughs> I mean, the whole, as we've talked about in the show before, you know, the, the, all of this stuff is designed to pull you in. And what we're talking about is breaking those bonds that they've, that they're putting on you. So, uh, that, and speaking of, you know, dinner is, you know, make a digital free zone, literal places, physical space where digital devices are not allowed. Uh, so, you know, you could be digital for time, but you can also be, uh, I mean, di- digital free in time, but you can also be digital free 
in space, no devices in the bedroom, no devices in the dining room, you know, like you could set up no device in the bathroom, which Mm -hmm. frankly in a house with seven people in one bathroom, that's probably a better thing. A good thing (laughs) would be better uh, for, for us. Uh, I've, I've made a rule that children are not allowed to wear their headphones while they're in the bathroom uh, because they can't hear when someone is knocking on the door. (laughs) Yep. And I, I've spoke on this before. Um, Just advice from a confessor, right? Um, this digital free zone is also that thing that we say in the act of contrition of avoiding the narrow occasion mm-hmm. of sin. Um, yeah. Bringing devices in private areas is not good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bad devices idea. should be in public areas. We've had rule. We've made rules about um, some of our kids have phones that don't have phone service, but they do have Internet. Uh, and we. Mm-hmm. We set up screen time barriers and they figure out ways around them and, you know, that whole thing. Uh, so we've had we've we've just implemented space rules. No phones in the bedrooms. You know? um, we have a small house. It's limited space. So we've we've had to with individual children judge their but their own where they are spiritually and they can earn that space. But, yeah, it, it's I agree. Having I've I've long said even before I had kids, devices with screens in bedrooms or other private places is a generally a bad idea. It's a near occasion, and for for adults it could be the same way. Well, and and it rewires your brain too. That's the other thing is um you know like the sit, sitting in your bed with a device, your your brain changes the the that space into Mm -hmm. a space where you want that device, not a space where you're going to be sleeping. Right. And so, and that's what I talk to my kids all the time about sleep hygiene. Like you don't lay in your bed and play video games because that's going to cause you to not be able to sleep. And I've finally had a couple of them come back to me and say, man, that's, you know, dad, I think you're right. (laughs) So it took took a few years, but a bed (laughs) is a tool and it it is to be used for a particular purpose. That, exactly. That's amazing. They realize you're right before they were 25. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm so proud. I'm proud of them. They're 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 coming along well. Yeah. I mean, I I hear people talk about you know I get up the first thing in the morning as I, I grab my phone and, and look at stuff on my phone. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I I never feel the temptation to do that. I wait. I get up. I I you know I go to the to the other room. I gather my things to go to the bathroom to you know get my shower and and I wait. I wait to to do that first look at things mm-hmm. did the world blow up overnight <laughs> sort of look uh till after i'm up I'm, ab- I'm about i'm not half asleep i want to be aware and awake before i do that and that's i think that's you know i mean maybe i should wait till after i've had my coffee but you know at least at least that's, I'm, yeah, I'm, that's I'm mine that, i wait until it. yeah i'm wait, wait until i'm done with my coffee and then i'll then i'll go pick up my phone i actually leave it on its charger until i'm done with my coffee because if i don't yeah, that, that's what I'm doing for the Sucked morning. In. Yep. And, yep. and I've um, heard this excuse way too many times. So I'm going to say, you don't need your phone as an alarm clock. It doesn't <laughs> have to be in your room. Yeah. You can buy an alarm clock for $10. <laughs> they still make them. Right. I mean, I use my phone as my alarm clock, but I also don't feel tempted to to look at my phone while I'm in bed. So it's, yeah. but if you fall, but I've never fallen into that trap. If you've gotten yourself into that trap, buy an alarm clock. So you're not in that trap. Right. I do have an alarm clock with um, the A lady on it. Oh yeah. 
um, which <laughs> it's skate in the rural she, there. She but... who, have, who shall not be named. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want the old eighties mm. alarm clock with the faux wood grain finish. You know, the ones around with the flippy the letters every, or the, the, or the red LED. The, the, every single house had. <laughs> yes, everybody. <laughs> literally everyone had. To, yes. And the alarm clock sounded like that. And they were all like GE or Radio Shack. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so just like we're supposed to notify our contacts, you can also notify your online community. I, sometimes I feel like this is uh, iffy. Like I sometimes would like people come along like I'm you know, going to be absent for a month because I'm taking a detox. It can sound a little like, you know, well, you know, bye Felicia, you know, like, don't, don't tell everybody that you're fasting thing that, you know, that, yeah. Yeah, don't, <laughs> there's a reason that that's don't there. virtue signal. Um, <laughs> exactly. And don't, um, right. Don't be like the um, hypocrites who go and yell, the, yell out that they're fasting when you fast. Right. Right. Um, read that in a book somewhere so you need to um <laughs> don't, smart don't that. boast of your fasting well yeah. right so th and that's not what this is for what this is for is to if you let the people in your online communities know that you're not going to be available for a period of time they're not reaching out to you they're not dinging you sending communications to you there can be less pressure to be you know in communication you know that sort of thing so uh that's what that's about really um you can set device limits. You can use focus modes. There are various third-party apps that can do timers. We've talked about this before. Like Instagram, of all places, has a built-in timer. You can say, mm -hmm. I want you to limit any one particular session on Instagram to so many minutes, and then for the day, this many minutes. And it will pop up and remind you. Now, you can just say, go away, obviously. But it's a reminder. So use the tools if so if instead so if instead of i'm not using things at all you could say i want to limit my usage of a thing because again we're talking mm -hmm. about all kinds of ways of detoxing you could use these things to limit and some people need to use these things for work right so i'm detoxing from stuff but i still need to get my work done you can use these tools to limit yourself so screen time my wife uses screen time for herself as a reminder mm -hmm. like you've been scrolling facebook for for a half hour you should go do something else <laughs> yeah you can easily get lost that's i mean that's the whole point it's not a character flaw things. yeah yeah it's that's the way they're designed like yeah. you are you are and it's not because you're weak it's because they are specifically designed to capture your attention and hold it for as long as possible exactly and and for my wife as a stay-at-home mom she's a lot of her social engagement and intellectual social engagement is with other people online. And so that's mm -hmm. a, a bit of a lifeline for her. So, but you don't want that to be the only thing she's doing all day. You know, <laughs> that's right. that sort of thing. Right. So right. you use these tools uh, to help you. Um, another if, important, uh, go if, ahead, you need, ahead, if you need more information on the focusing modes, um, I think it was you. I am Victor um, secrets yeah. of tech number one eighty four. Very good. So if you go to uh, starquest.fm slash TEC184, you'll, we'll, you go, we uh, talked a lot about focus modes, using focus modes to help you stay focused on your devices. Uh, so turning off notifications. Now, I think in general, turning off as many notifications as possible is a good thing. Because frankly, if everything is beeping at you, you're paying attention to nothing. 
Like you're, you're right. eventually going to tune it all out, just like car alarms, you know, all that sort of stuff. Kids screaming in the background, you know, <laughs> if certain certain of us parents, that's a, that's a thing. You know, you start to ignore it, you tune it out, and so for it, you know, the, the, a, a plethora of notifications is bad anyway. So go through and audit your notifications, turn off as many as possible, so that you're only getting the things that are actually things you need to know. Mm-hmm. The iPhone now has a um, notification summary mode that you can set specific times of the day yep. that you get those non-essential mo- notifications. And so you can set it up that I don't get any of those notifications for my social media apps until 6 p.m. or whatever. So it's not right. interfering with my workday. Um, mm-hmm. And you can set it up that it does that. Um, which is a really good feature. Right. So uh, I want to quickly move through the others because uh, we're kind of going long here as we usually do with these topics, but it's so good. Uh, but so uninstalling in unessential, non-essential apps, mm-hmm. especially social media apps that you can access through a browser. Uh, that's one of the tricks mm-hmm. my wife uses with Facebook is by having to go through the bro- the phone's browser, it makes it less sticky for her and mm-hmm. easier to 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 get out of so to speak the the app is designed to hold you in plus the app also has hooks for getting information yep, yep. about you that, that the the web browser doesn't and so remove apps or even temporarily remove them if you're doing a periodic detox like a, a bigger detox that to, that the all the ones that you find most distracting and time consuming whether it's candy crush or facebook or what have you um, to get them off your phone or off your computer because it implies that sort of yep. stuff too for, uh, for as long as your detox is. And if you're worried about forgetting them to reinstall them, good. That's kind of the point. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> if you forget about it, obviously you didn't need it. Exactly. <laughs> oh, exactly. yeah. I have a Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> I have an X account. So, uh, and that's the next point, which is digital decluttering. You know, Use the time to clean up your digital life, organize your files. Like, I think when you're coming back in from your detox, I think is the time for this. Like schedule a time at the, if you're doing like a week or a month or a weekend, schedule a time near the end where you can go in and remove stuff. Because once you've had some space from this stuff, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. you start to realize how less important it is. And you can start deleting things that you don't need anymore. Like, old files or old emails and you know all the clutter on your desktop your computer's desktop especially for for people who've done um diets like keto diets or things like this um this is a good analogy for that of like Mm -hmm. you reintroduce certain foods to your diet um at a measured approach and you are able to realize as you do it at a measured approach also which ones of those were toxic to you? Right. Right. So when I reintroduce, maybe I reintroduce Twitter and I notice that I'm getting angry. I see mm-hmm. it was Twitter making me angry, right? <laughs> or whatever it was making right. me. And so I can, if I slowly introduce those things, I can see the exact things that shouldn't be in my life. Right. Gradual reintegration of devices and digital activities or sites or games or whatever, gradually bring those things in and then keep what's essential. 
and you know mm-hmm. and start with the things that are essential and the things that are less essential you may never reintegrate uh i want to mention also uh journaling is a great way a great thing to be doing while you're digital detoxing keeping keeping a journal writing down your thoughts once you don't have the constant in the the constant um thing beeping at you whether it's a phone or a computer or whatever you and you start to be alone with your thoughts that's a great opportunity to reflect to think to look at your life to look at the world around you and to write it down not just to like observe oh that's a pretty sunset write it down because the mm. act of recording things that you're thinking actually makes them more real to you. They make them stick around in your memory better. And it helps you uh, reflect and work them out. I'm trying to think of the right words for it. But, you know, you're working through a thought that makes it better. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're processing it in Process. a way that, yep. that you wouldn't do otherwise. And and it's one of those things. I think we, we cheat ourselves with that in the digital age, too, by saying by by feeling like we're journaling or we're capturing our thoughts by putting them online and there there's a cheapness to that because you're not really it's not your thought it's it's a thought that you're trying to share with other people and that's very different than uh something that you know is yours and is and is private and is and uh, is available to you only mm-hmm. and is, is intended for yourself only because it can really help you dig into deeper spots inside of yourself that you weren't really thinking of or that you're not willing to share, but they need to be kind of thought about and talked about internally. Right. And even if you never reread those journals, mm-hmm. you the act of making them is itself beneficial mm-hmm. in that way. What is it? Socrates, which is the unexamined life is not worth living. That's yeah. exactly right. Yes. So and then, you know, as you're going through your detox, it's not a rigid thing. Adjust as you need to evaluate mm-hmm. how things are going. Uh, do, do I, you know, is, how's my mood? How's my productivity? How's my overall well-being? Um, and, and adjust to, uh, to what you need to do and don't be rigid about it. I think that's a, another big one. So any other things we need to mention as well? Uh, I think we pretty well covered it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there yeah. are other things we could do. I encourage everybody to try a little one at, soon. Like, yeah. I don't let it go more than, you know, a month without planning something like this out just to give yourself a, a feel for it. And and you'll re, you'll realize really quickly that there's a lot of stuff that's vying for your attention that uh, you didn't realize was there. Yep. Uh, uh, next week, as we record this for several days, part, part of the whole week, I'll be at uh, scout camp with my kids now there you go and that's going to be my opportunity to do a bunch of uh, digital detoxing i'm not even sure there'll be a cell signal there so uh, (laughs) you may not hear from me for a while (laughs) that's one of the best there are some um areas of my um parishes that i cover that are um forced digital detox i bet father Corey is the same as i am (laughs) there's forced areas of digital detox for us um i was back home in Omaha the other day and it was the first time I learned that my iPhone had 5G on it. I had no clue that I owned a 5G (laughs) iPhone. Um. (laughs) Go figure. That's awesome. All right. So uh, digital detox. I'd love to hear what folks advice that anyone else has, things that you've done, what you think of it and uh, let us know. You can send us email at technology at sqpn.com 
or visit our Discord community and share over there what you're doing and what you think. That's at sqpn.com slash Discord. So before we move on, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Christopher P., Thomas V., Leonides, Leonides S., sorry, Leonides, Megan S., and Rhonda M. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So we got a few headlines we'd like to talk about. And the first one is interesting. It's the headline itself is EV battery swaps now as fast as filling your tank. And it's an interesting idea for addressing one of the big issues people have with electric vehicles, which is recharge time. If I'm out and about on a long trip, I'm traveling cross country somewhere and I need to refill. Well, you know, if I if I have gasoline, I pull a gas station, five minutes, boom, I'm full tank and I'm on my way again with an EV, electric car. I It takes me half hour or 45 minutes, depending on mm-hmm. when you get a fast charger even. So this company called Ample has come up with a technology where instead of charging the batteries, they take a page out of the book of our old remote controls and they swap them out (laughs) the old fashioned way. So they say it's an automated swap out station, which I presume would require some standardization in how manufacturers put the batteries in, of course. 700 700 Duracells. (laughs) just stack them just just throwing duracells in there like crazy um no but it's like it looks like a garage like you like you pull through or like a car wash really it's kind of like that you pull in and then the system automatically within five minutes swaps out the the big battery pack and puts a new one in you're ready good to go and five minutes like i said it's about the amount of time it takes to fill your tank of gas so what do you guys think of this is it pie in the sky or is this a, a great idea isn't this the most expensive part of a of an electric car? Is the battery? Is the battery? Yeah. So you're asking me to drive my very expensive electric car into your device and just let you trade out the most expensive part of it for <laughs> what, what I'm assuming <laughs> is is an equivalent value. You know, like I, I, I wouldn't do this. <laughs> like 100, I would not do this. It's also the most dangerous part of electric car. By exactly. the way, exactly. Yeah, that's the other side of it. Yeah, a, a bad battery could be bad news. You're creating more batteries, right? So there's mm-hmm. more batteries in cars out there then. Right? Yep. We're, swa- we're swapping the batteries yeah. out, so they have to create an excess of batteries for these. I would presume that when they take the depleted battery out of your car, it goes someplace and gets recharged for yeah. the next vehicle. But there would still need to be a stockpile of batteries that sure. would be a greater, yeah. a significantly greater number. Based on charging Every one of these time and all would that. have to have some mm-hmm. on hand. Yeah. yeah. And so I think we forget when we get in this whole frenzy about electric cars that you have to mine metals and you have mm-hmm. to. Um, um, lots of lithium. Lots of lithium. <laughs> lots of labor that is not ethical. Um, and then. There's fuel that has to be used to charge these things um most likely coal and so um i'm not go not to go on an electric car ramp but on this particular one i think you're creating more e-waste that doesn't need to be made 
I feel like that there's already a stockpile of batteries for repairs and that sort of stuff out there as it is. I mean, we we stockpile gasoline, we stockpile other car parts. So I don't think, and I see your point, but I don't feel like that, that that's as big an issue as, as as some of the other problems, which is if you get if you put a bad or malfunctioning battery into someone's vehicle, swapping out a perfectly good one, and that car bursts into flames ten miles down the road, that's a really bad thing. They would have to, the, the yeah. they would have to be one hundred percent on making sure that every battery that goes in is perfect. And uh, frankly, I don't see car manufacturers all getting together going, oh, yes, we're all going to make this one company wealthy by standardizing. standardizing. Our, yeah. Our I'm yeah. nervous about letting a robot fuel my car, <laughs> letting a robot take my car apart for me. <laughs> it really not, worries not the me. Idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd rather have, you know, Carl in that, uh, sketchy gas station on a back road somewhere in you know rural massachusetts fuel up my car then have a robot swapping out my battery at least he has a conscience (laughs) and he's worried about your car bursting into flames yeah he might be (laughs) well at least for his own his own liability purposes so yeah yeah i I think i think we'd agree with that this is probably not a great idea and it's probably not going to go anywhere but well i find it interesting the interesting way to think about the problem Apparently, so, it is actually being used on like fleets, so yes. like a fleet of cars, which you know I can see that like yeah. everything's standardized, everything's regulated in inside of that own that own fleet. But uh, yeah, I just can't see this being a consumer thing at all. Right. So yeah. So our our next headline, I love this one. <sighs> so, Father, you work at a high school. Thomas, you have oh, kids. Yes. You used to work at a school as a technology teacher. So you'll get you'll mm-hmm. be both yeah. like this. So from TechCrunch. High school changes every student's password to change me exclamation point C H at sign N G E M E exclamation point everybody all at once and told everybody that they had done so. That that just blew my mind. Like, why did you so <laughs> send an email? If this Even person better. is an IT professional, <laughs> they need to be fired. Yeah. If this per- so the best so even better is the fact that this happened because they hired a cybersecurity firm to audit th- their students' accounts, their their Google Classroom accounts. That's what is these were Google accounts, and they screwed it up. They messed something fundamental up. I mean, something to, to mess it all up. They they screwed up something fundamental at a very low level, and so the Oak Park and River Forest High School in Illinois. Uh, decided that w- what we would do is we would change every student's password to change me and then send an email out telling them to, you know, as of today, this is going to take place at 4 p.m. So we strongly suggest that your child update the password to their own unique password as soon as possible. Now, the problem with this is they don't need to do this. You All you simply need to do, because I'm a Google admin for a StarQuest, yep. is just go in and say, log everybody out and force them to create a new login when they, when they come back. Like you don't have to put a new password in. You just say, make them make a new, new password when they get back in. I don't understand. And this uh, presumably is what they ended up doing. The article says that they accidentally deleted their passwords or reset their passwords initially. And so they had to reassign new passwords. But then you could do that logout thing after that. You can, or you could also um, reassign random passwords, and then 
which is what I think they ended up having to do yeah. Wait, afterwards. And then you, there's tools inside of Google to be able to send those randomly generated passwords right. to their parents or to their alternate email address. Right. Um, the frustrating thing is that Google has the tools for you not to do this. Um, right. right. <laughs> and it's just crazy. The more frustrating thing is the number of places I've been that have um, passwords that a fourth grader could figure out what the passwords are. You know, uh. some everyone has the same word and the year they entered the school, right? Things like right. that that right. you're like, guys, no. <laughs> That's not a password. <laughs> That's not a password. That's a puzzle game for a fourth grader. Um, right. <laughs> and so, you know, Very every, specifically a puzzle game, <laughs> every yeah. time I start at, so I've had to multiple times when I find that out, um, if, inevitably I get made the Google admin, um, at every place <laughs> I've been is click that button and say, require password reset right. at next yeah. login. When you find out that all their passwords are the same. Oh, drives me crazy. Yeah. I've worked in places where there was like, where it was like that. So, um, they, a, a mother of a, of a student, she, she saw this and said, this was a dumb idea. And she and her, her ch child went in, went into other students' accounts to, to see that this is, which is inadvisable and because you yourself <laughs> could be kind of accused of hacking. Itself, right? Yeah. <laughs> which is uh, dumb, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask my normal question of, when I see really dumb stuff happen at schools, um, I'm a big advocate of educational choice. Parents need to ask themselves the question when you're, <laughs> Wise, the educators and the people in charge of the education of your children are doing this stupid of stuff at basic levels. <laughs> should these people be educating your children? Um, <laughs> right. So... It it's a good question. You can step it's back a, a moment and wonder if that's the case. Maybe I'm being unfair to the school. Maybe it's a couple individuals, but it it's worth asking those questions. <laughs> yeah, or uh, to look at it even more specifically, if the if they're if this is how incompetent their IT people are about this, what other data about your child and your mm -hmm. family is similarly exposed? to ransomware, to hackers, to people who are going to go in. And I mean, this was kind of the point of having a cybersecurity audit, right? right? I think you've just failed your cybersecurity audit right then and there. All, all the fun side story here. I was when I was a high schooler and I was in my computer programming class um, and I was a high school with a little bit of a conscience. I discovered that the access database was open on the network neighborhood of our computers and so that i was able to open the access database that was non-password protected oh, and no. i after opening it realized it was the database they were keeping the grades in oh i quickly oh. waved the computer science teacher over and said i haven't touched anything <laughs> i'm gonna stand up you can Please do something this. about this. Yeah. And she's like, "Oh, that is bad." Yeah. And so, wow. yeah, that, that I mean, that was a different era of computers. Yep. 
That was the the fun funny thing where I, I was it saw someone said that uh, they uh, they submitted their name their student name as drop table. <laughs> that's a that's an inside SQL joke, folks. <laughs> if, if you put drop table in a table and it executes it uh, proper, you know, like it's command, it will delete the table. So, <laughs> wow, all your student names are gone. Yes. <laughs> <Goodbye>. <laughs> all right. So uh, from that, we're going to talk about uh, the next headline, which is YouTube is testing a three strikes policy for ad blocking now. To be clear, this is happening in rare cases. People, not many people are seeing this, but some people have, which is some people are seeing a message pop up when they go to play a video that's they're open in a browser that has an ad blocker and it will warn them your video player will be blocked after three videos. You will be blocked from watching videos on YouTube unless you disable your your uh, ad blocker. Now, a lot of us use ad blockers of various kinds and because there's a lot of obnoxious ads out there and uh, some of those block YouTube ads and some don't. Some of us have found ways around that that don't actually look like an ad blocker to YouTube, I guess. In any case, um, what do you think about this? Is Do you think that um, YouTube is in its rights? Do you think we're, the users are in their rights to block ads? Is it, are we okay to work around it? What do you think about this? Would you buy a YouTube premium subscription? It's not going to make me buy a YouTube premium subscription. <laughs> no. That's for sure. I will, I will say, though, I bought a Nebula subscription, which is kind of like a mm. somewhat of a competitor to, to YouTube. And it's uh, because a lot of my favorite content creators were complaining about the fact that they weren't able to monetize uh, their time on YouTube anymore. But I was still getting all the ads. So I was like, forget this. I'm going to go support these guys elsewhere. Yeah. And so I jumped. Yeah. And the content on that's probably a little cleaner, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think for a lot of people, YouTube has become a lot of their entertainment and, mm -hmm. you know, that, that kind of content, especially with a writers and actors strike likely <laughs> to drag mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. These are the people who are actually creating things still. So, um, yeah, I, I have talked before that on, on my Mac – and I use software called um, Vinegar. I think, yeah, mm -hmm. that's what it's called. It's a, it's a Safari plugin I mentioned before that shows the YouTube video in a native video player. And the unintended side effect of that is that it doesn't show ads. Mm -hmm. So uh, that is part of it. But it's also a much cleaner video experience than YouTube provides natively. Yeah. So. When I do, when I'm teaching classes and I have YouTube videos, I'll usually, um, because of the nature of ads that play sometimes, exactly, I will always um, download the file of it. So I use YouTube DL, um, mm -hmm. which is a script for Linux fanboy um, to <laughs> actually, I think there's Windows and Mac versions of it, too. But um, yeah, there is to download the video. And it's. For that reason, it's not because, like, I initially watch the video and don't block the ads, but it's, um, I'm using an educational account, and sometimes YouTube's ads that come up are not appropriate for a nope. classroom, mm -hmm. um, yep. which is just... Or for uh, families. If I'm watching videos, and sometimes my kids are with me, I don't want them watching those ads. Yeah. So, all right. Well, 
good luck to YouTube. I mean, it's not like it's not like <laughs> they're, they're trying. They're trying real hard to to yeah. like make it as bad an experience yeah. as they can. So uh, another <laughs> right. another way around that. Um, I both I think Dom, both you and I have mentioned um, Next DNS before, uh-huh. and the ability yes. to block ads through um, through that, which is another way. Which I yep. don't think this would catch. Yeah, it, I'd be curious to see. I don't know how they're doing it, so. I'm intrigued. I just tried three different ways and all of them seem to have caught ads on YouTube still. So I didn't get the, and I didn't get the three strikes block. So here we go. (laughs) (laughs) So our last, our last headline is from the wall street journal. And this one says, uh, people hire phone bots to torture telemarketers. Uh, now I want to talk about the ethics of this as well, but what people are doing (laughs) is they, there's, there are services where you can, um, have, an AI chatbot using a particular kind of voice that um, keeps these telemarketers on the line, basically. And some of the thinking is the longer that this telemarketer is wasting their time with a chatbot, you know, a voice chatbot, uh, the less time they're scamming other people. What do you, what do you guys think of this one? Scam the scammers. (laughs) (laughs) Just just be careful because the FCC just issued the largest fine in history to a set of robocallers like last Friday, I think it was. So $300 yep. million dollars against so a, is it, it, a Would this qualify as a robocaller? Back, I well, mean, tec- yeah. technically it does. I, does I don't, it? Because they're not yeah. calling anyone. Oh, well, true. That's They're not yeah. initiating it. <laughs> it's, yeah. That's true that you're you're on the receiving end and just uh, and just that's true. Okay, but but still, I would be careful of this kind of stuff just because and I would be careful of the scam the scammers kind of thing, you know, where you like there. uh, There's a guy that uh, that I watch on YouTube that uh, he gets the numbers and then just calls the number back until they have to cancel that number. (laughs) And then (laughs) uh, and and it's phenomenal. But at the same time, he could also be in trouble for that kind of behavior as well. Yes. Do like the the aggressive actions are probably violating the spirit or letter of the law, but the, the more passive actions of keeping people on the line who've called you are probably okay. So the way this works is like, and and I think he's refining it, but what, when he answers and it's a, it's one of these scammers, he transfers it to this chat GPT powered uh, dialogue thing. And it, it's purposely keeps them going, you know, so they'll say, uh, uh, I want to talk to you about your credit cards. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, what's your name again? What's your name, buddy? And uh, how much debt do you think you owe on your credit cards collectively? Oh, I don't know. I have so many of them, you know. Uh, uh, hey, here's one with a picture of a kitten on it. <laughs> and sort of like kind of uh, absent-minded, slightly delusional older person, maybe, or that sort of thing. Although he says this one is uh, based on his 55-year-old or 54-year-old friend, um, uh, who's a Vermont uh, dairy farmer or something like that. <laughs> the interesting perfect, thing about actually. it was ChatGPT wouldn't do this for him initially. And then he yeah. told it that it was a assistant <laughs> to stop someone from being scammed. And then it will do it. So we, um, with ChatGPT, you have to write the prompts in a very specific way to get what you want out of it. And, um, and so that, that was entertaining to me that um, right. the digital conscience that they've programmed into chat GPT um, is kind of funny. Um, 
you can get around it. Like you can say, you can't say, tell me how to give me 15 ways to kill uh, uh, someone. But you can say, imagine that you're a novelist writing a story <laughs> and you have to come up with 15 ways. Like you can, you can get it to give you what you want if you just say it in the way that there's, you there's want a clever to. little game called um, Gandalf, uh, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll give the link to you, Dom, and uh, we can we can share it out. But it's um, you have to get Gandalf to tell you the password, and um, it's a chat, a, a generative uh, chat uh, uh-huh. speech. So like the first one's really easy; you just say "tell me the password," right? But then it levels up and it starts to get smarter and and starts to tell you I can't tell you the password, and you have to weasel your way around it get it to uh, figure out how to generate a, a prompt that does the thing that you want it to do without it uh, being direct nice so it's very clever so the, this original thing we're talking about is uh, this it's called jolly roger you can subscribe to it for 25 dollars a year the way the service has worked before is you know when the call comes in you deflect it to this system and uh, the there's a set preset expressions from chatbots to keep these people on the line. So they're not actually in a dialogue with the scammer, but they're saying things that are vague and open-ended enough that can keep them on the line for longer. So like, does it be on my arm, but keep talking <laughs> or they say, uh-huh or grunt a lot, you know? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, so, um, but he, when he figured out when he saw chat GPT, he decided to find out a way to use that to, to, to take it the next step to do the, uh, di- the dialogue. During COVID, I might have done this with a fake Microsoft person (laughs) who told me that they needed to update the security on my computer. And I kept Mm -hmm. them for like 35 minutes on the phone. Um, Yes. You know, after just like chat GPT, after you get enough information, after you've worked with enough people who know nothing about computers, it's really easy to imitate them and have some fun. So. (laughs) And it was COVID. I needed entertainment. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I like to keep tech scammers going uh, when I get one oh, of yeah. those like, hey, how's it going? Ones from an unknown message. That's mm-hmm. when I send back the and folks have heard me say this before. Um, Thanks for subscribing to Snail Chat, where we're going to send you snail facts all day long. And then I go to the Wikipedia page and just copy sentences from the, the Wikipedia entry on snails to the excellent the, over again. <laughs> If you'd like to unsubscribe for snail, snail chat, say stop, and then they'll say stop. Thanks for continuing, and then send another one. I mean, it's 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 full of it's it's a miles of amusement. I probably need to detox from that. So. <laughs> All right, so those are our headlines. Uh, so let's move on to talking about our picks of the week. And Father Joseph, what's your pick this week? My pick of the week isn't expensive at all, which I'm not being sarcastic. Um, Recently, we moved our parish office, and so I've been laying a lot of wires and cords um, and not wanting to run stuff through through ceilings for some things, um, especially electricity is probably not good to run through ceilings all the time. Um, So instead of doing the old-fashioned cord covers that are those big um, rubber things, Um, especially Mm -hmm. because we have Roombas vacuuming our office. Um, I found these black cord covers that just Velcro onto the carpet Um, and they Mm -hmm. work really well. Um, I was skeptical when I bought them Um, and it's fairly cheap. You can get 50 feet of it for 25 bucks. So 
couple box sets. And you can either. cut it to length. And you can cut it exactly to length. You can cut it to the curves, everything. So I've um, bought this a few a times idea. now in setting up the office and been very impressed with it. Um, this particular one's black. You can get it in other colors to match your carpet color if you want to mm. blend in a little bit. One thing I would say, that it's a good pick, but if you if the cords are going to lay someplace that it's going to get rolled over by like chairs or whatever, this doesn't appear to protect it like the rubber things would. Yes, that's correct. So, um, and I mean, I'm purposely letting um, Roomba go over it. But yeah. if you leave the cords sitting there, Roomba will not go over the cords and it will right. go over this. Um, so. Yeah. And the Roomba's probably fine for going, like, won't damage the cords. But, uh, but yeah, you, you just if you're in a high traffic or high yep. stress thing. So you could use a combination of these things. Yep, yeah, you should still use the traditional cord cover that's meant to protect those wires. Um, this right. is more to stop them from being tripping hazards. Yeah, that's great. Good pick. Yeah, it's better than gaff tape, which is another thing that is traditionally used. And that's very temporary anyway. This seems like it would. This is really good for reusing too. If if you're someone who um, sets up a lot of temporary things, so I have a roll of this that I use for when we set up the parish hall with mm. projectors and stuff mm -hmm. to tack it down so that right. my cords don't get unplugged by people. Um, and so, so have, yeah. and so I can just keep this in my closet and be able to pull it up and reuse it over and over again which you can't do with duct tape right keep the duct tape or gaffer tape for tile or linoleum which wouldn't work with mm -hmm. this but but this stuff is yeah great for reusing it too that's awesome good pick uh thomas what's your pick this week all right so my pick for this week is um a a shoe style let's call it uh barefoot or minimalist shoes i'm really into uh minimalist shoes and the way that they that i walk with them uh it will very much dramatically change the way that you walk so i you know if, if you go into this uh kind of mentality uh you're going to learn quickly how to walk on the balls of your feet rather than on the heels but the brand that i use particularly is a brand called zero shoes x-e-r-o zero shoes and um they're fantastic they're just there's really very little material to them so there's very little between you and the ground when you're walking so you can feel everything you're walking on and that may sound horrifying <laughs> in some cases um but it's really it really is uh really nice it gives you all the protection you need from shoes but at the same time it allows you to just have that feel of just the freedom of your fit, foot moving around the way it's supposed to and um if for anybody who has wide uh feet uh, or wide fronts of your feet. Uh, these shoes are really great because that's part of the design is to let your foot spread out and just kind of be open and use the way that it's supposed to be used. So I have a pair of running shoes. I have a pair of hiking shoes. I also pair, have a pair of, uh, you know, kind of daily wear, uh, uh, business casual kind of shoes uh, from them. And they're just, they're just fantastic shoes. I, I started buying them a few years ago and I, I that's what I keep re-upping to. So <laughs> I highly recommend them. There's a DIY, DIY kit in which yeah. you can make your own <laughs> shoes um, if you're yep, feeling so really soul adventurous. And you cut it to space, yeah. <laughs> wow. So these aren't the uh, toe finger shoes where like the toes are in no, no, separate no. things because yeah. those would drive me crazy. These are like, no, no, they no. look like regular shoes. They they look like right now people will be able to tell that you don't have on like a regular set of sneakers because the sole does look so different. 
yeah. that it and and I, I like that they came out with one recently that's called the Glen and it's a business casual shoe. Um, and what they did was they left the sole the same and then extended it up along the sides of your foot so that it looks like you have a little bit of a sole on the on the shoe and it doesn't look quite as uh quite as because they almost look like socks uh, if 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 i'm completely honest they, they they look a little bit like socks with something on the bottom of them right um but they but they function they're they're really really great i've been the one thing i've been really impressed with them is they're waterproof incredibly like i can step in a puddle of water with them uh, even just my running shoes step in a puddle of water and as long as my, i don't leave my foot there for a significant amount of time comes out dry and that, it's I've I've been really impressed with that, hmm. but yeah, I, I love them. I recommend them uh, to everybody. I will say um, th- they will make you walk differently, and and they have all sorts of. It's a very crunchy granola kind of uh, <laughs> kind of uh, <laughs> company. So if if you have any questions about the health benefits, I don't know. You know, take their advice with a grain of salt. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll for but for me, I'll say it's been really great. It's helped my posture. I stand all day. Like I'm even even at the job I have now, where I'm working on computers all the time. It's remarked in the office that I never sit down. I have a standing desk, and it pretty much stays in the standing position the whole mm. time. And I I never really feel exhausted or tired because of my feet. So. Yeah, let that be a testimony. <laughs> is it different from walking around in bare feet too? Like, would like if you, if you're a barefoot kind of person, is it different even from that? No, you feel you feel like you're walking barefoot. You just have mm. kind of a barrier between you and the and the ground, and it's not. But it's not even that much of a barrier, so you can still feel. You know, like if yeah. you're used to like feeling uh, feeling the gravel or, or or whatever you're walking on while you're placing your foot down, uh, you, you'll keep that same sensation while you're walking. Will you feel Legos through it? <laughs> you don't you you feel the Legos, but they don't hurt quite as much. <laughs> if I walk on blacktop, am I is it am I gonna feel it, it like my feet? The heat uh, won't come through. Yeah, yeah the heat won't come okay. through. Yeah. It, oh, I mean good. not any more than it would for, you know, just being on a blacktop anyway. But right. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so it's not not completely like a barefoot, but it's but you definitely still gives you that sensation. I'm pretty much a hobbit. I love to be barefoot most of the time as much as I can, so uh I highly recommend these. Give them, a, give them a try. Yeah. Yeah. So my pick this week is something that I got for my wallet. I like to have a tracker in all the important things in, in my life. So like, don't lose them. And uh, I had a Apple AirTag inside of like a little case that was made for it in my wallet. But I, I keep a minimal, minimalist wallet and that thing was just an air tag is just a certain thickness and there's nothing you can do about it. And I just was, it was too thick. So I ended up looking at this. This is the Pebble Bee card. It's the size of a credit card, as you'd expect for a wallet. And uh, what makes this interesting, there are others out there, like this tile has one. But what makes it interesting is, is it's compatible with the Apple Find My Network. So it doesn't do the your foot 10 feet from, you know, your phone, your 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 wallet, you know, three feet, two feet and all that sort of thing. Uh, with the ultra wideband chip that the uh, iPhone has. But what it does do is it still does the finding. It makes noise. It'll beep. It'll tell you where it is. Show you on a map, that sort of thing, because you've left it at the restaurant or, or whatever. Um, it's rechargeable. So it has a, a three pin, like rechargeable uh, spot on it where you have a little magnetic thing that attaches to it every six months or so or so. Um, they say six months to a year, I think is what they said. Um, I just recently recharged it and I've had it for six months. So it's been pretty good. Um, and 
it, it works with Find My. So if you have an uh, if you have an uh, iPhone or you know the Apple ecosystem, it'll show up right in the Find My app. But if you don't have an iPhone, it'll work with Google Assistant, uh, the A Lady. It'll or Amazon Alexa because I can say that because I've turned it off. <laughs> the, um, and they have their own app as well, the Pebble B app that you can put on your phone, so you can do it from within there. So it and really, it's thirty bucks, which is pretty reasonable for this sort of thing. And you know, it's the same price as an AirTag. So um, yeah, it's it's uh, recommended. I've I've used it and I little I really like it. So that's it, our picks of the week, and that's it from us this time. We would love to get your feedback on anything we discussed this time. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. Send an email to technology at sqpn.com. Visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. You can find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at starquest.fm slash TEC222. You should follow the secrets of tech in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or at our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash starquestmedia, and hit the bell to get notifications. Until next time, Father Joseph's son, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. You're welcome and put down your phone. (laughs) (laughs) After the podcast is done. Thomas and Rojo, (laughs) thank you as well. It's been a pleasure. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest.